Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying this? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. The Gospel of the Lord. Picture in your mind inauguration day. The newly elected president is being vested with the authority to rule. There to swear them in is the chief justice of the Supreme Court, the primary arbiter of the law. And during the ceremony, there's a religious official to invoke the blessing of God over their administration. The city is filled with people, some there to express their support for their candidate turned president others there to make known their dissatisfaction with the new leader, some simply there to see everything that's going on. And as the president processes down Pennsylvania Avenue toward the White House, he's surrounded by a veritable army of police officers and Secret Service agents. It's a day of great pomp and circumstance. Now, imagine the next day, Someone else decides they're going to have a parade as well. But this is no well-organized event. The ministers of the law are nowhere to be seen. The respected religious officials are gone. The only law enforcement around are those officers going about their daily beats. And then, down Pennsylvania Avenue, comes a preacher riding in the back of a beat-up old F-150. On the side of the rusted out truck are hastily spray painted campaign slogans. Around this man is a group of supporters handing out flyers, shooting off confetti cannons and shouting into microphones. Blessed is the president who comes in the name of the Lord, they proclaim. Peace in, heavy, in heaven and glory in the highest heaven, they continue. No doubt such a scene would be quickly become breaking news. 
And as the news cameras cir circle, the police are trying to figure out how to end this circus. Meanwhile, the president, sitting comfortably in the Oval Office, is informed of some madman coming down the street, claiming that they're the president. As the situation is escalating, someone from the opposition party scurries into the street to try and reason with the leader of this ragtag group. They yell up to him in the back of the truck, come on, you have to stop. Get your friends to put away their microphones. Stop making all this commotion. And the man in the truck says back to them, even if I tell them to stop, the entire world would shout out my praises. This is essentially what first century Jews witnessed the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. The sight of an imperial parade would have been as familiar to the people of Jerusalem as the images of Inauguration Day are to us. And just as we all know and recognize that the inauguration ceremony represents the authority of a newly elected individual to rule, the conquered peoples of the Roman Empire knew and recognized that the parade of Roman troops and governors through their towns and provinces represented the authority of Rome to rule. And so it must have been as shocking to the people of Jerusalem to see Jesus mocking imperial power as it would be for us to watch the type of scene that I've just described. And I wonder how many of us would witness such a thing and decide to follow the man in the F-150? Or how many of us instead would hem and haw over whether it was proper for this man to question imperial authority. Some of us might say, sure, Pilate might have murdered some of the zealots, but they should have just done what the centurions ordered. Or, I might not like Pilate, but he is the governor, so we should at least respect the office he holds. I wonder how many of us would look at the preacher in the pickup truck and say, why can't he be more like the high priests? They don't go around talking about a new kingdom. They just focus on God. The truth of Palm Sunday is that we follow a Messiah who subverted all the expectations of the world. He looked at the power structures of his day and flipped them on their heads. And to the people of Jerusalem, he offered himself as a true ruler someone whose strength came not from military might, but instead from the peace of love. He offered himself as a ruler who saw the corruption of the temple taxes, who saw that the high priests enriched themselves while the people starved. He offered himself as a ruler who taught a faith that promised health and wholeness and happiness to people in this life, wherever their circumstances found them. In short, he rejected the usual standards of success. He rejected the usual metrics of power. And that message is as shocking now as it was in the day that Jesus walked through the gates of Jerusalem. Our politics are still rooted in the might of our arms. We still think that spending money on bombs, tanks, and planes is a better way to peace than spending money on health care and education. 
Our religious institutions are still concerned with their own enrichment. I've encountered a disturbing number of colleagues who seek out promotions to churches where they will have a bigger budget and less work, rather than asking where their gifts could best serve God's mission. We still have too many people in the church who think that religion has no place offering people wholeness in this life. As soon as they get someone in the waters of baptism, they check them off as another soul saved and move on to the next person. So here's the challenge that we face today on Palm Sunday. Do we follow this crazy man in the F-150? Or do we look side-eyed at his band of misfits as they throw a party that everyone's invited to but no one wants to attend? We can join in the party because today is a day of celebration. It is a day of triumph. We celebrate the freedom we have in God to proclaim the gospel boldly and without fear. We triumph over the powers of sin and death by renouncing their hold on us. But if we want to be a part of Christ's triumph over death, we can't sit quietly by on the sidelines. If we want the glory, we have to be with Jesus as he confronts the political powers of this world. If we want to triumph over sin, we have to be with Jesus as he chases the moneylenders out of the temple. If we want to be free from the worldly powers, we have to sit with Jesus in the garden. And if we want to experience the gift of the resurrection, we have to follow Jesus to the cross. Following Christ is not something to be done lightly. There were plenty of people willing to throw down their cloaks when Jesus entered Jerusalem. Plenty of people willing to follow so long as things were looking up. But when it comes time to suffer with Christ, that is when we reveal ourselves as true followers. When we come to peace with losing the lives that we are used to, that is the moment that we experience real triumph. Amen. And would you pray once again with me? Christ, strengthen us for the difficult times. Let us be prepared to pick up your cup. Don't let us be fair-weather Christians who only follow you when things are well. Help us to see your triumph in every renouncement of evil and to see your glory in every waking moment. Amen.